Hey, before we get started, I just want to update everyone on some changes that are happening with Historium. As of this week, Historium is now a proud member of the Orbital Jigsaw Podcast Network. You'll probably hear some cross-promotion of some other podcasts in the network at the end of some future episodes. I am super excited for this opportunity, and I cannot wait to show you all some of the cool things in the pipeline. Okay, on to the episode. If you viewed the Campion area of Western Australia today, you would see abandoned railroads cutting through a desolate landscape marked with the occasional rundown building. This part of Western Australia was once known as the Wheat Belt, but climate change has since taken its toll and wheat in the region is now scarce. The landscape looks rather dull, but in 1932, it was the location of one of the most interesting wars in Australia's history. I'm Jake Barton, welcome to Historium, Episode 20, The Great Emu War. After the too quickly named War to End All Wars, what we now call World War I, large numbers of British and Australian veterans were promised land in Western Australia in a massive soldier settlement program. These veterans didn't know much in the way of farming, and the land allotted to them was far from fertile. All of these veterans were having plenty of issues farming wheat in subpar conditions, but their troubles had just begun. Starting in 1929, the Great Depression wrecked the international economy, and Western Australia was no exception. Each farmer was promised a certain amount of government subsidies to continue farming despite the poor crop yields coupled with the dwindling price of wheat. However, these subsidies never came, and the wheat prices continued to plummet. Veteran farmers were in a tight spot. On top of all of this, the enemy was at the gates. The enemy in this situation were emus. Now, I just wanted to point out that people from the states call them emus, but since this story is from down under, I thought I would pronounce it like the Aussies do for this episode. For any listener that doesn't know, emus are large, long-legged, flightless birds that look similar to an ostrich. Their typical migration route involved emus going inland into the Australian outback for their breeding season, then returning to the coastal regions when they finished. So when they were on their way out of the interior of Australia, the birds were on a crash course with these new farmers. These emus loved the taste of wheat and broke into the farmers' lands to devour their delicious crops. And we're not talking about a few dozen emus here. We're talking 20,000 emus. And they were devastating farmers' crops throughout the wheat belt. By 1932, the emu army had invaded much of the wheat belt's farmland. Farmers didn't know what to do. But looking out at these mobs of emus, the soldiers turned to farmers had an idea. Oh yeah, a group of emus is called a mob, which is pretty neat, I guess. Anyway, these farmers were veterans of World War I, where they got to see the incredible power and devastation of the newly invented machine gun firsthand. They figured that some fully automatic weaponry should do the trick on these dumb birds. A group of farmers went to the Minister of Defense, Sir George Pierce, whom they had served under during the Great War. They petitioned the minister to provide them with some help against this emu invasion. The Minister of Defense agreed, under the conditions that the farmers would pay for the ammunition and provide room and board for the station soldiers. 
Pierce justified this to the rest of the Australian government by saying that these emus would provide good target practice for the troops. The Australians readied their war machine. And by war machine, I mean two soldiers from the Royal Australian Artillery, each armed with Lewis machine guns, and their commander, Major G.P.W. Meredith. The Minister of Defense sent a cinematographer with them for good measure. He thought that maybe footage of soldiers slaughtering emus in the wheat belt would show that the Australian government was doing something to help its citizens during the Great Depression. October 1932. The soldiers arrived in the Campion district with 10,000 rounds of ammunition. The farmers were eager to see this plague of fowl eradicated for good. However, heavy rains in the wheat belt brought the great Aussie war machine to a grinding halt. By November, conditions became manageable enough to begin the first act of war. Major Meredith and his two men set up their machine guns and set their sights on a mob of birds. The poor fowl waddled around pecking at the stalks of wheat, occasionally shaking their wings. Meredith ordered his men to fire. The guns spat hundreds of rounds at the unsuspecting emus. They quickly scattered. After the soldiers deemed the birds to be out of range, they walked forward and realized that they had been out of range for almost the entire volley. When they returned to the nearest town, a spry reporter asked how many emus had been felled, to which Meredith replied, a number of them. This was intentionally vague because the number of emus killed in the first attack was in the single digits. The next battle occurred on November 4th. The machine gunners set up their guns near cover close to a large dam where the emus were known to congregate. When they were definitely in range of the machine guns, each gun let loose. Emus began to fall, but the guns soon jammed. The emu commanders ordered a full-scale retreat. They were gone in a flurry of dust and feathers. Their casualties were around a dozen emus. Meredith took his men south because, and I quote, the birds there were reported to be fairly tame. This time, he mounted the machine guns on a truck so that they could pursue their enemies should they flee. The truck sped towards a mob of birds several hundred strong, and the machine gunners squeezed their triggers. A volley of bullets whizzed towards the birds, who quickly scattered. The truck turned after a large group, and the gunners tried their best to stay on target, but the ride was incredibly bumpy, and most shots were going either high or low as the truck bounced up and down on the unpaved ground. Additionally, emus can run at speeds up to 55 miles per hour. When the dust cleared, they had killed around 100 emus. While better than their previous assaults, it was still far from a victory. Major Meredith wrote in his journal that morale among his men was low, but that so far there had been no casualties. By this point, the emu war had become somewhat of a running joke, as the soldiers continued to return from battle with way fewer emus than expected. One reporter interviewed a sarcastic ornithologist who said, quote, the machine gunner's dreams of point-blank fire into masses of emus were soon dissipated. The emu command had evidently ordered guerrilla tactics, and its unwieldy army soon split up into numerous small units that made the use of military equipment uneconomic. On November 8th, the Australian House of Representatives discussed the emu operation. After negative local media coverage, all military personnel were withdrawn from the region. Major Meredith said of the emus, If we had had a military division with the bullet-carrying capacity of these birds, it would face any army in the world. 
They can face machine guns with the invulnerability of tanks. They are like the Zulus, whom even expanding bullets could not stop. Despite shutting down the operation, the farmers campaigned for the soldiers to return, as hotter temperatures drove the emus deeper and deeper into the farmers' lands. James Mitchell, the premier of Western Australia, lent his support to the farmers and got Major Meredith to return with his two machine gunners. They returned to the battle, killing as many emus as they could, but the emus had numbers and time on their side. They were winning the war of attrition. Over the next few weeks, the gunners killed hundreds of emus, but at the cost of thousands of rounds of ammunition. On December 10th, 1932, Major Meredith reported that he had only 140 rounds remaining. They had expended 9,860 rounds and had killed 986 birds over the course of the war, exactly 10 bullets per confirmed kill. After the government caught wind of that figure, the Australian troops were withdrawn for good, effectively ending the Great Emu War. The emus, emboldened by their victory, continued to devastate farmers' wheat crops. The farmers called for assistance once again, but their pleas fell on deaf ears. The government instead instituted a bounty program that was still used up until the late 1940s. The Minister of Defense, George Pierce, was haunted by the blunder of the Emu War. At one point, one of his colleagues asked if there would be any medals awarded for the conflict in a meeting of the Australian Congress. Someone followed that question up by asking if the medals would be awarded to the emus, since they, in fact, won the war. This isn't the first time that humans underestimated nature, and it sure as hell won't be the last. In southern Australia in 1953, the royal government conducted a series of nuclear tests called Operation Totem. Two large-scale atomic weapons were detonated there. The name of the testing site? Emu Field. Maybe it was the Aussies' way of turning an embarrassing defeat into a symbolic victory. Historium is written, produced, and edited by me, Jake Barton. If you're a fan of Historium, follow the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Another way to support Historium is to rate the podcast on iTunes. And finally, if to you Historium is worth a dollar per episode, please consider donating on Patreon. As always, thanks for listening.